uh, number 17 is where we'll be looking here momentarily, and I sure hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you as we look tonight. Uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. Of course, we're back dealing with David again, and uh, so I hope this the study of David has been a help and a blessing to you. may seem a little unusual here in just a few minutes when we start, but um, I hope that, um, that it'll help us because I believe at some point or the other, if you're serving the Lord, you're going to be in a position as David was. And once you find 1 Chronicles 17, then we're going over to 1 Chronicles chapter number 22. So we'll stay in 1 Chronicles. And uh, basically the context, what's going on here, uh, this, is, this is some of the good years of David um, when the ark of God has come back into Jerusalem. And it's been gone for quite some time, and David wanted to get it back in. But it's placed, it was placed in a tent in chapter number 16. And, of course, 2 Samuel parallels a lot of this text here. But the ark has come in, and that's where David danced before the Lord. And, and uh, anyhow, it was a happy time. It was a time of jubilation. It was a time of celebration because the ark of God represented the presence of the Lord. And, man, David understood Hey, man, we can have all the, all the military might. We can have all the financial power. But if we ain't got the presence of the Lord, we're in trouble. That can be applied today uh, with all the technology we got, all the resources we got. All that's wonderful, but without the presence of God, it's all in vain. we got to have Him. I mean, you, you can do without me, and we can do without you, but we can't do without Him. we got to have His presence. And I think about David, and I think about his life. There's so many valuable lessons, and, and tonight may be more of a teachable moment, but I, I'm going to try my best just to give you what the Lord gave me as I look back through this. I reflected on my own life sometimes when, uh, when I experienced the same, sort of same deal that David did. And I hope it will encourage you. And you may not be dealing with, I found this out, and I've probably said this at some point or the other. Um, sometimes messages are corrective. Sometimes messages are preventative. What I mean by that is, you might be dealing with exactly what David was dealing with today, and it can serve as a corrective measure, and it could be a preventative measure along the way. And then sometimes we might have to put it up on the shelf. We might not need it today, but somewhere down the road, uh, God allows these messages to roll by to speak to our heart when you may be dealing in a certain area of your life. You know, it's strange. Sometimes you come to the house of God and, and uh, you know, I can't see what you've dealt with all week. You can't see what I've dealt with all week. But sometimes, man, the service just flows to meet the need maybe of one individual, maybe two, maybe three, maybe multiple people. But listen, God wants to help us every time we come together to worship. But may I remind you one more time, we come together at God's house. It's a place where we can learn from His Word, but it's a time to worship and adore him. Ah, that song she played before we even got started, just something about that name, man. That just blesses me because there's something about the name of Jesus. My eternal destination is based upon Him. The reason I'm here today is because of Him. The reason I am who I am today is because of Him. Everything can be traced back to Him. So it's all about Him tonight. If you don't get nothing else, you better get that. But tonight, First Chronicles chapter 17, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm going to read. I, I really don't like chopping this up, but uh, time's just not going to permit us to read all the passages that I want to read. But I am going to read in First Chronicles 17, and then I'm going to be reading in First Chronicles 22, just a couple verses, and we'll bring the thought of the hour. The Bible said this, First Chronicles chapter 17, and verse number 1, Now it came to pass, as David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Now keep in mind, 
Chapter 16, the, the ark has brought, chapter 15 and 16, it's brought back into Jerusalem and it's placed inside of a tent behind curtains. It represents the presence of God. So David begins to meditate and chew on that while he's sitting in his luxurious house as a king of Israel with all the spoils of war. I mean, he's got the finest of the fine. He's got the best of the best of that day at his disposal. And he looks around, and he's sitting in his house, and he begins to ponder. And he says, you know, I, I dwell in, in a house of cedars or something of maj- majesty at that particular time. It was a symbol of money. But the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Now look at verse 2. Then Nathan, of course, Nathan is a prophet of God. He's the same one that confronts him in 2 Samuel, chapter number 12. This is prior to that. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. So Nathan, he, he understood, Brother Harold, that, that David was contemplating something. He's sitting back in his house, in his house of cedars, a place of, of luxury, and a place of wherever need has been supplied. He begins to look around and see how blessed he is. And David understood the source of his blessings. And he didn't forget the blessor. You know, there's a lot of folks that worship the blessings more than the blessor. Thank God for the blessings. But you better remember that it came from the blessor, the Lord. And so here he begins to contemplate on this. And Nathan perceived. So he said, hey, David, just do whatever is in your heart. But I want you to notice verse number 3. And it came to pass the same night. The same night is what? The same night that as David was sitting in his house amongst cedars. He gets it on his heart that he wants to build a house for the Lord. That's basically what David is dealing with here. But the Bible said in verse 3, And it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, So here's Nathan, the prophet of God, the man of God. God speaks to him to meet a need in David's life, to to relay a message. Well, what was the message? Look with me in verse number 4. Go and tell David my servant. Now, that's important. God's not uh, condemning David because he understands that David is his servant. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. So David says, he gets in his heart, Man, I, I want to build a house for the Lord And then the Lord tells Nathan to tell David through a message from God's Word that he is not to build the house. Now go over to 1 Chronicles chapter number 22. Now here David is preparing for the temple by the time you get into this point, although he wasn't able to build it. The Bible said in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 7, here's a communication between David and his son Solomon, who is going to build the house. First Chronicles 22 and verse 7. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build an house under the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house under my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Now let's pray. Father, as I bow in your presence of God again tonight, Lord, just humbled by that song that was played. We didn't even say the words, but Lord, 
There's just something special about the name of Jesus. Lord, just want to worship you tonight. Just want to say we love you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, for salvation. Thank you for the privilege just to assemble in your house amongst my brothers and sisters and the Lord to worship you and exalt you and expound upon the scriptures tonight. I pray that we'd take something tonight that help us in our walk with you. I pray that as we walk out of here, we wouldn't just be challenged, but Lord, we'd be changed. I pray that you'd speak to every heart. As we look at the life of David, help us to apply these principles that are here. We'll be careful, Lord, to give you thanks and give you praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Well, we've read in two particular passages here in 1 Chronicles 17 and also in 1 Chronicles chapter number 22. Now, if you go back into the book of Exodus, oftentimes you think about the law when the law was given, the first five books of the Bible, penta meaning five, is called the Pentateuch. And, and amongst that book is the Exodus. And there in, in Exodus chapter number 20, You'll find that a full list, that's where the Ten Commandments were given out. And there's a lot of thou shalt not sin there. And there's a couple of them uh, that weren't thou shalt not. One was honor thy father and thy mother. And I can't remember what the other one was right off the bat. But there's a lot of thou shalt nots in Exodus chapter number 20. But as I'm preaching tonight on this thought, there are some thou shalt nots even in our lives. And we're not talking about... The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, God told us not to do that, but there's other times we may have a thought to do something from God, and God says, thou shalt not. You say, preach, how can you be so sure that'll happen? It happened to a man by the name of David, and can I remind you, he is is described as a man after God's own heart. God referred to him as my servant. It wasn't that God was angry at David. It was just David had something on on his heart, wasn't necessarily evil, but it wasn't the will of God for David to do it. We understand, we, we've already read the text, if you read on further, that Solomon and his son is the one that built the house. But as we look at this tonight, there, there's sometimes that there are some thou shalt not, or in other words, we could put it this way, sometimes God says no. Yeah, we can all understand that in Yankee County. Sometimes God tells us no. Sometimes things be put on our heart that it's not necessarily evil, but it's just not the will of God for us to do that. Now, when David, basically what he's doing, he's sitting in his house. The ark of God has come back to Jerusalem, symbolizing the presence of the Lord. You can see in chapter 15, chapter 16 is a time of celebration, a time of dancing, a time of where they're worshiping the Lord God of heaven because finally the ark has come back into Jerusalem. It was a happy time. And David begins here in chapter number 17, verse 1. He's sitting in his house. He begins to survey all of his blessings. He looks around and this house made of cedars. Again, a picture of wealth and luxury during that day and that hour. And he looks around and he considers all of his blessings and he understands the one that has sent that is the God of heaven. Numerous times God has helped David. David has leaned on the Lord numerous times. And every time God has has always stood the test of time. He's never failed, never let David down whatsoever. And now David begins to think, he said, man, I want to honor God in a greater way. I want to serve God in a greater capacity than I'm serving right now. Not an evil thing. He wants to build and house 
But God said, thou shalt not. There's some important principles, I believe, that I can learn from this, that all of us can learn from this. But as, as David begins to ponder on all that he's been blessed with, David was a rare, he was a rare breed. Because a lot of times when folks get a lot of luxurious things and all their needs are met, there's a tendency more, more often than not to shy away from God. Sort of like the church in Laodicea mindset. I'm increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter number 3. But David was a rare breed. He didn't get puffed up with pride. When he looked around and looked at all of his blessings, he wanted to do something for God. He wanted to honor him. He wanted to serve him in a greater way. But he was a rare breed because he was blessed beyond measure and he, he, he kept the right perspective. I think about some examples of those that, that were blessed abundantly. And they didn't handle things quite as well. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon? Well, in Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, verse number 30, and this is in reference to Nebuchadnezzar. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Three times he used a personal pronoun there. In Daniel chapter number 4 and verse number 30, he said, I have by the might of my power and my majesty. Nebuchadnezzar had been blessed beyond measure, but he failed to recognize the blessor that it gave him the blessing. Think about King Ahab. Now, we understand King Ahab was wicked. His wife Jezebel was more wicked than he was. But being the king of Israel, he had anything and everything, Brother Harold, at his disposal. But the one thing that he couldn't have, that's what he wanted. That was, of course, Nabal. We understand over there in in 1 Kings chapter number 21, listen to this. It came to pass... After these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a guard of herbs because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father's unto thee. In other words, Nabal said, listen, Ahab, it's not for sale. Now, boy, there's a great picture right there, and there's a great application that you and I ought to do. Ahab is a picture of the enemy. The devil will come against us and try to get us to sell our inheritance, man. We ought to tell him, like Nabal did, thank God I'm not for sale. We ain't for sale. It help us out in the long run. But here Ahab had everything you could think of as a king of Israel, but he wanted the one thing that he couldn't have. Well, notice what he did in verse number 4, 1 Kings 21. And Ahab came into the house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Man, he's, got, he, he's having himself a tantrum. That's what we He's having himself a pity party. 
If we could define and describe Nebuchadnezzar, we could say he was puffed up with pride. He said, I and my majesty and my, this is what I've done. He was puffed up with pride. But here we could say, oh, King Ahab, he was pitiful and he was pouting because he didn't get his way. Amen. That's pretty much when you read on the rest of the account. Oh, Jezreel or, or Jezebel, she went out and basically said, Well, hey, you're going to get that. Why are you not eating any bread? Because he's pouting and he's pitiful. He's having a pity party because he didn't get what he wanted. He's blessed. He looks all around. But now he, he wants something that's not his. But understand, he, he didn't handle success very, very well. And later on, Naboth, by the, by the plan of Jezebel, she sends a letter signed by the king. The king didn't send it, she did, but sent it to the folks there and, and said to make a banquet for Naboth, and they did. And then they said, Hey, get two men of Belial and let them come up and make accusations how he blasphemed God. And sure enough, that's what happened. And they drug him outside of the city, stoned him, that he died. And then Ahab went and got what wasn't rightfully his. But you see, he had plenty. Nebuchadnezzar had plenty. He didn't think about God. He didn't think about honoring God. He didn't think about serving God. Ahab certainly didn't think about serving God and honoring God. Think about the rich man. Over there in Luke chapter number 12, remember the rich man that, man, he was so blessed. He said, man, I've got, where, where am I going to bestow all these goods that I got? I'm going to have to tire down my barns and build greater. And this is what he said, Luke 12, 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know the end of the story. God told him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. So here's a man that's overflowing. He's just worried about building bigger barns, and he's just going to sit back and, and, at ease and be merry. We could say that he was polling the price, evaluating all that he had with no thought toward God. So you could say Nebuchadnezzar, Ahab, that rich man in Luke chapter number 12, they all had a lot of possessions, but they didn't think about honoring God or serving God. That's why David was a rare breed. He's sitting in his house, Brother Harold, in verse number 1 of 1 Chronicles 7, and he looks at all that he's been blessed with. He said, man, I, I want to do something for my God. I want to build him and house. You know, F.B. Meyer uh, made this statement. If I can find it, I thought I wrote it down somewhere, but there it is. Not all men carry a full cup with a steady hand. Now, you get that. You chew it. That'll speak volumes. Not all men carry a full cup with a steady hand. Now, just picture this. Here before long, I can forget the date, but we got our chicken and oyster stew. Now, what will happen is, if you don't pull your bowl away while they're putting that big dipper, Brother Lloyd, Brother Wayne, or Brother Josh, whoever's dipping that oyster stew out or chicken stew out, it'll, it'll fill up to the rim. And then when you're walking back, you're just, you're just tiptoeing. And you got to keep a steady hand or what happens, it starts sloshing out. Well, F.B. Meyer said not everybody can carry a full cup with a steady hand. You see, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't do it. He thought about himself. King Ahab didn't think about God. He thought about himself. The rich man didn't think about God. He thought about himself. But David was a rare breed. He was different. He wanted to honor God. Yet God said, thou shalt not. Tonight as we look at this, he, David wanted 
to magnify the Lord. Just because, and I just jotted a few things down, just because something is a good work does not mean it is the will of God for that person to do it. Everybody get that? Just because it's a good work, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the will of God for that person to do it. The temple was a great idea. The temple was built, but not by David. God told him no. He had good aspirations. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to magnify God in a greater way. But God said, thou shalt not. In other words, God said no. Now, as we look at this tonight, God was quick, though, to respond unto David. This thought went through his mind. He looks around. He puts this thing on his heart. He tells Nathan, the man of God, the prophet of God. But then look at verse 2. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. Nathan said, Man, that, that sounds like a great idea, man. That's wonderful. And evidently he must explain what he wanted to do. And Nathan said, Man, just go ahead and do it. It wasn't the next week. It wasn't the next month. It wasn't the next year. Look at verse number 3. And it came to pass the same night. What night? The same night that David is sitting in his house. He gets the idea, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. Again, not a, not a bad thing. Wasn't bad at all. Just wasn't the will of God for him. So he tells Nathan, Nathan says, hey, go on, God's with you. But that very night, God spoke to the preacher to relay the message unto David. For the Bible said, and it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David, my servant, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me in house to dwell in. He goes off and he gives some reasons. And then, of course, I gave you the reason a moment ago by David's account in First Chronicles 22. The reason he couldn't uh, build the house was because he was a man of war and he shed blood. But understand, as we look at this, I believe God revealed unto David pretty quickly that this is not the will of God for your life. Because God spoke to Nathan that same night. And Nathan related unto David. Now here's where the problem lies. Sometimes we may get, a, we may get an idea, not, not necessarily an evil idea, not necessarily a wrong idea. It may be a good idea. It might be a good work. But it's just not the will of God for that specific person. Does that make sense? I mean, that's what's going on in David's life, right? You can't refuse or refute the fact of what's going on. Now, when you think about, think, think about I was trying to think about an example. I could explain it. Let's just put it this way. Let's, let's take somebody, and I don't have anybody in particular mind, but there's a lot of folks that could fit this bill. Let's say somebody that's been on, we would, we would classify as the wrong road for a long time. I'm talking about maybe at one point or the other they in church, but they, they've just got out and they're, they're just on the wrong road and they've been on the wrong road for a long time. One of two things have happened. Number one, they're not listening to God. Or number two, they might be listening, but they ain't interested in what God says. <laughs> this is what I want. This is my desire. 
I'll share something with you. I, I thought, I don't know why I thought about it. It's been years. But I thought about this when I read, and, and it's interesting. I read a passage, and, and listen, God always had one meaning in mind when he pinned down the Word of God. There's not, multiple, uh, there's not multiple meanings to the Word of God. God had one meaning in mind, but there are many and numerous applications. And as I look through this, and of course, we know the context. The ark is coming. It's a time of jubilation. David's sitting in his house, and he looks, he said, man, I want do something for God. It wasn't a bad thing, but God told him, thou shalt not. No, you can't do it, David. And I reflect back in a time in my life when I was serving the Lord early on at my home church at Friendship. I won't tell you exactly what it was, but man, God put something on my heart, I thought, Brother Harold, that I, I aspired to do. It's something that I wanted. I was already doing something, but I really wanted to do that one thing. And it was on my mind for about two or three weeks, and I was miserable. Because I thought, man, I, I want to do this. Till finally God said, thou shalt not. And when I submitted that, surrendered that, I went on serving in the same capacity that I was, happy as a lark, serving God. It wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't necessarily a wrong thing. But it was a wrong thing for me. <laughs> There's been other times I could share examples of that but just keep in mind if somebody's on a road and and they're aspiring and may and you know i've often said this and it's true the most miserable person is not the is not the drunkard down on the corner it's not the harlot down on the corner it's not the 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 those that use god's name in vain the most miserable person is a child of god out of god's will amen that's right I mean a child of God out of God's will. That's why revival's important, by the way. We, and church is important in general. But revival, man, it's time where you can just sort of pull apart and, and unplug for that set week and, and just, just focus in on God and get refired, get rejuvenated, get recover all that the enemy has taken from us like David did in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. The Amalekites had took it all, but David went and recovered all. Listen, I'm glad you can recover all tonight. You can recover all on Sunday morning, Sunday night, a scheduled meeting. It makes no difference when you come. If you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, God said you'll be filled. And he'll fill us. He'll give us what we need, but we've got to listen and we've got to be interested in what he says, and we have to get ourselves out of the way. Most time, that's where the problem lies. The, the, the problem ain't on God's end. Most time, it's, on, it's always on our Not most time, it's always on our end. But, you know, people fight the will of God all the time, and it does. It makes for a miserable life. Well, why didn't God let David build the temple? Well, there's numerous reasons that he did, but I think the one that really stuck out is when David said, over there in First Chronicles 22, unto his son Solomon, because he was a man of war and he had shed blood. Well, listen, I don't think God wanted the temple to be a symbol of military achievement. God wanted the temple to be a picture and a symbol of worship, not war. You know what war does? 
War destroys, and there's times where you have to go to battle. There are times when, and I'm all for that, for protecting, you know, the country. Thank God for the free. You know, we got freedoms today because somebody went to war and fought for the freedoms that we have. And we better thank God for that every day that we're alive in the United States of America with the freedom we got to come in and worship God, pretty much go eat wherever we want to, do whatever we want to do. Man, I'm going to tell you, freedom was not free. You think about what we have at our disposal. We get to come in and we get to worship the God of heaven. But war destroys lives. But the temple symbolizes what will save lives. That's where the presence of the Lord was to dwell. Remember there in the temple and, of course, in the tabernacle, back behind the holiest of holies, there was the ark, which represented the presence of God. And I believe a couple of those reasons is why that, that God didn't want David to do that, but I, I'd say this because here's the crutch of the message. There's times when God said, Thou shalt not. I'd say this, not everyone, and don't misunderstand what I'm going to say when I say this, but it's an important point that I need to say. Not everyone is fit to serve in certain places. Now, that, that's not a negative connotation necessarily. It just means that it's not the will of God for some folks to serve in some capacities. Now, again, it's so broad. Let's bring it up to speed to 2023. There are so many areas at Faith Community Baptist Church where folks can serve the Lord. But not everyone is fit to serve in certain places. It's just simply not the will of God. But I will say this, but all are fit to serve in some place. Now, there's a difference between the two. Not everyone is fit to serve in a certain place, but everyone is fit to serve in a place. I hope you get that. God wants to use every one of us. Some of them might say, well, man, I, I want to I serve God in a greater capacity. God may say yes, but he may say no. That's why you better listen. You better be interested in what he thinks, not what you think or what you want. That's the hardest thing to die daily. What Paul say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20? He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Now understand, we're to crucify ourselves daily. <laughs> Our number one enemy. So much, oh, the devil gives me so much trouble. The devil don't give you no trouble. Yourself gives you the most trouble. Amen. Man, I got temptations. Where do you think it comes from? It comes from our stinking self. Amen. That's right. And again, you better listen to God, what God has to say. You better be interested in what he has to say. But David, we could gather from here, David did not get to build the temple. But guess what? It wasn't God's will for David to build the temple, but it was God's will for David to finance the temple. Now, Solomon was the architect. He built it, but his daddy David financed it. See, God had a place for David. God had a place for Solomon. Harold, God's got a place for you. Brother Kevin, God's got a place for you. Brother James, God's got a place. And I could go on down the line. And every individual in this church, those that are listening, God's got a place for you. You say, well, uh, God don't see fit to put me in this area. No, but he'll put you in some area. God don't want you to do everything, but he wants you to do something. <laughs> well, I'm too old. Don't hand me that stuff, man. If God didn't want to use you, it doesn't be out here. Yeah, man. 
That's right. Well, listen, David couldn't build the temple. Think about Paul. This always this tripped me up as a, as a Christian early. I didn't get this. I get it now. But there's a certain time in Paul's life, Paul wasn't able to go preach in Asia. People didn't hinder him. The government didn't hinder him. The Holy Ghost said, don't go. That's one of those thou shalt not. Listen now, Acts 16 and verse 6, you've got Paul and Silas getting ready to go. And later on in this chapter, he's in Philippi. uh, And over there, the Philippian jailers crying out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. God told him, No, you're not going to Asia, but i got to work for you over here. And that old boy got gloriously saved in Philippi because Paul obeyed. He listened. He wasn't interested in what he wanted to do. He was interested where God wanted him at specifically. Acts 16.6 said, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia were fit, forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Holy Ghost said, forbid them. To go into Asia. Does that mean God didn't love that crowd in Asia? No, that don't mean that. God loved that crowd. He loves everybody. Every individual that's alive, red, yellow, black, white. He loves them all. Jesus' blood was sufficient to save everybody. It wouldn't that God didn't love that crowd in Asia. It just wouldn't the will of God for Paul to go to Asia. He had to work over there in Troas. He had to work over there in Derby. He had to work over there in Philippi. So on and so forth. But he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost. He listened to God. He was interested in what God said, and he followed the will of God, and God blessed him for it. Now, just because you may be rejected or what you may feel rejected from a service in a certain area, it don't eliminate you from every service, and it don't. David financed the building of the temple. Paul wasn't allowed to go to Asia, but he had other work for him in other places. I, I thought about this. You know, some are just simply designed to, to keep the door of the sanctuary. Some are to wash the feet of weary pilgrims. Some are to give a cup of cold water to a thirsty soul. Some are to feed the hungry, to place a mite in the treasury, to visit the widows and the fatherless, to encourage the saints, to pick up little feet on a van, to pick up Middle-aged folk on the van. To pick up senior saints on the van. To maintain the quality of our sound system and our internet and our everything that, that goes on in and out of this church. The radio broadcast, all that. that in t- to change little diapers. To wipe snotty noses back there in the back to teach those little kids just to show a little bit of care. Just to show a little bit of compassion. Listen, I'm telling you, there's something for everybody to do. Could just be simply to be in your place when the role is called. I asked Brother James just a minute ago, I said, is Sister Linda all right? Because most of y'all know Sister Linda Webb ain't here. Something ain't right. Now, some folks in and out so much, you don't miss I don't mean that to be bad. It's just, it's just a fact. Some folks in and out so much, you don't really miss them as much. But, man, I'm telling you, when somebody is a mainstay and they're a picture of faithlessness, and when they're out, you miss them. And thank God for her. And thank God for every individual here. I'm not casting stones to you, but I just want you to get this tonight. There are times when 
Something may come on your mind that you want to do. You better listen to God. You better be interested in what He says. God wants you to do something. He don't want you to do everything, but He wants you to do something. But sometimes He'll say no. It don't mean it's a bad work. Don't mean it's a bad idea. But God may have somebody else in mind. There's four, and that's the meat of the message, but there's four ways. Four ways, Brother Harold, we can respond when the Lord says, Thou shalt not. What are those four ways, preacher? Well, can I say first of all, we can be prideful. All right, I want to do, so, I want to do something in a greater way. I want to, I want to magnify the Lord in a, in a greater way. But then you don't get to do it. You can become prideful, and you can be like I was, and I'm just being flat out honest. When I, that years ago, when I, when I felt like, boy, I need to do this, my thought was in God helped me and God has forgave me. But I'm just telling you, this was my mindset. I can do a better job than they're doing. You know what that is? That's stinking pride. Amen. You might as well say amen. I can do a better job than them. You say, I wasn't listening to God. I wasn't interested in what God said. But you know what? When I got straight in line, when I quit rebelling against the will of God for my life, I got back in line. Boy, it was a whole lot sweeter when I was sitting back listening, man. It was wonderful. But see, we can respond to thou shalt not by being prideful. Or we can be a powder. We can be, these all start with P. We can be prideful or we can be a powder. And we can have a pity party sort of like Ahab did. Well, I got overlooked. Somebody overlooked me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks I can do anything for the Lord. Listen, you might be overlooked in that area, but there's something else for you to do. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes God said, thou shalt not. How are we going to respond when God says that we can be prideful? We can be a powder. We could even be a protester. <laughs> I'm going to give somebody a piece of my mind. <laughs> well, that ain't never going to work out. Amen. Amen. I'm just, I'm throwing out some responses tonight. And there's only four, and I've already hit three of them. We can be prideful when we don't get our way and don't get to do what, and not necessarily a bad thing. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Well, you better make sure God wants you to do it. Amen. Because you can be prideful, you can be a powder, you can be a protester. Or, this is the right one, you can be a partner. <laughs> you can be a partner. What do you mean a partner? Well, we're in this thing together. I mean, we're, we're sort of a fortunate deal here. I mean, we've got Brother Brandon's youth pastor, Brother Evan, college and career pastor. Most churches have one pastor, which I'm the pastor here at Faith. I'm blessed to be here, don't want to be anywhere else. But I understand not everybody can be the pastor. Not everybody can be the piano player. Not everybody. They can't but one run that soundboard back there at one time. Now, we got a soundboard. We got a computer back there. Can't one but sit in front of that computer back there and put down the pod bean and all that stuff. Now, we, can have, we have numerous greeters back there at the back that folks come in. Brother Jamie does a tremendous job. I know Brother Lloyd does and, 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 and different ones that are out there and Garrett and different people. We got for Brother Mike. I know a lot of times he, he's getting a trash. He gets a trash. That ain't no big deal. It is a big deal. Somebody does that. Somebody's got to do it. Amen. Enjoys doing that. Sister Kim with the clothes ministry and different things that people do. The sign. Sister Jenny gets the sign ready. And, and again, so many things go in. I think sometimes, and Sister Nina, all I got to do, I think she dreads when I send her a text. She's even texting now. Y'all got that? She texts, man. 
She got one of them smartphones, one of them iPhone, big old blowed up things that she texts on, plays on Facebook and all that social media. I'm just kidding. I don't know about all that. But I'll send her a message about flyers or something, and she takes care of it. You say, well, ain't that big a deal? It's a big deal because everybody, a partner, pulling together for one main purpose, one main goal to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we got our new officers coming up here for long uh, as we go into, into the, the month of, I guess it's October. Yeah, October, November. Yeah, November. We're going to November. Of course, we'll have officers and everything. And again, I want you to really contemplate on this. Listen, I want to make sure that you can be committed for a full year before you even contemplate considering doing something. There's multiple people that, that are serving and want to serve, and we want you to serve. And listen, you might not be able to, to fit into a certain area, but there's a place for you somewhere to serve God. But listen, you can be prideful. You can be a powder. You can be a protester, or you can be a partner working for the cause of Christ. It's like a well-oiled machine. It's like an organism, an organization. That's what the church is. It's organized as Christ as our head and we're the body. I think about this as I'm closed. Sister Savannah's coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the body and the many members. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. You know, God doesn't require us, again, to do everything, but He requires us to do something. But let us do that something well, with a capital W-E-L-L. Again, God don't require us to do everything, but He does require us to do something. And whatever we do, we ought to do it as unto the Lord, to the best of our God-given abilities, to give it to Him. But look, we're one body. We're one local assembly here at Faith Community Baptist Church. We got young ones. We got old ones. We got, no disrespect, older ones. We got middle-aged folk. We got all kinds of talent. We got all kinds of folks that can contribute in a great way. But it's about pulling the weight. Everybody pulling their own weight. It's sort of like our finger. Say, man, that little old finger right there ain't much. Will you... You get a splinter in there, you get a briar in there, you cut that dude, get an infection, it's going to affect this whole body. may seem small, may seem insignificant, but it has to do with the whole function of the body. Every one of you, if you don't get nothing else out of this service, God sent me by to tell everybody in here and everybody at Faith Community Baptist Church, whether young or old, you're important. Amen. You're important. And God may put something on your mind. Maybe you got something on your mind. David sat back in his house. And man, it wasn't a bad idea. It wasn't a bad work. He began to look and said, man, I want to build God a house. I want, I want to magnify him more. I want to honor him more. I want to worship him more. And then God that night said, no, David, it's not a bad idea, but you're not going to do it. But I got something else for you to do. You're not going to build it, but you're going to finance it. Paul, I know you want to go down to Asia, but he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost in Acts 16, 6 to go down there because he wanted him to go somewhere else. God had somebody else in place down there in Asia, but it's so critical for us to listen to the voice of God. And number two, to be interested, not what I want, but what does God want for my life. You're talking about a perfect scenario is being in the will of God, finding that niche, if you will, finding that place where you can invest and pour continually. 
I ain't talking about in and out, but I'm talking about continually, week by week by week, to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible talks about laying up treasures in heaven. That's what we do when we give our all unto the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes, sometimes, there are those thou shalt nots. So we better listen. We better be interested in what he says. We stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity tonight. Lord, expound upon the Scripture. Lord, I thank you for this text in 1 Kings 17 and 22, the life of David. Lord, I pray it's been a blessing. Lord, I pray that every one of us here would seek to serve you in a greater way. We're getting ready to come up on a new year, Lord, if you tarry your coming. We survive 2024, I still believe, can be the greatest year. The last half of this year could be the greatest year we've had here at Faith ever. The God, it takes us all. Lord, as some may seem small and insignificant, but Lord, they're part of this body. I pray, God, you'd help us to listen to you. Help us to be interested in what you say and what you want. Help us to be in the center of your will. Help us to not just do something, but to do something well. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. His sister Savannah's playing, heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Folks are praying. If I can help you pray, I'd love to do that. Above all, you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. He loves you. He died for you. But listen, are you serving the way God wants you to serve? Are you in the right place where God wants you to be? Is something got in your mind where God has said no? Listen, we ought to be a partner together for the cause of Christ. Sing a little bit of that, sister. Hello friends, this is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. 
Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.